This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Um, hi everyone. Welcome to Saturday Morning Mysteries. I'm Grace. That's Alexis. I'm Alexis. Hello. Allie, Bird. You got a lot of names. You wear a lot of yeah. hats. We wear a lot of hats. A lot of shoes too, <laughs> when I want. <laughs> want to give a shout out both to your background research of us in trying to think of uh, how to come up with the name of it, of the callback essentially to, yeah, Saturday mornings you get up. For me, it was a bowl of cereal. If I, you know, had some Fruit Loops, that was my top pick, I would say, or tricks and have the marathon of, oh shit, I got a coffee delivery. Hold on. Oh boy. <laughs> Hold on. Thank you. Before we start. Get recording. that coffee, girl. Oh man. Wow. Thank you. Back to the Saturday morning. And now, yeah, now as an adult, it's coffee instead of cereal, but also cereal still. Um, and yeah, just the growing up of how much we loved waking up and having the Saturday morning lineup of all of our favorite cartoons for, I don't know, a few hours every Saturday, which I don't know, I guess if kids still do that because it's all streaming services. True. That's, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what it's like to live with the kid. I know. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I guess if your parents don't have cable, then yeah. yeah, you but man, you have to have like every single streaming service to like get the same effect and you know yeah. like the same benefit that we had growing up where we could just change through whatever channel and watch like mm-hmm. Pokemon one minute, Scooby Doo the next. Yeah, on the commercial you know, hey Arnold. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Those, uh, well, I actually won't get into the recording part. That may, <laughs> yeah, that was before been. DVR shit. Yeah, like, exactly. Recording still. Uh, I do want to shout out to um, the Cincinnati Cable, which is where we grew up. Neither of us live there anymore, but that's where we're from. Yeah. Um, that uh, 27 was Cartoon Network and Channel 28 was Nickelodeon. Yeah. So you could just hop one click away and it was. Right back and forth. It was genius. Chef kiss. Beautiful, it was so smart. beautiful. I wonder yes. if it's like that everywhere. If they always like put them together, depending on the cable provider, probably not. Yeah, I think well, they were on something. Yeah, I don't know. Leave us a comment, I guess, wherever you're yeah. enjoying this about what your, I don't know, what your experience was for that. Yeah, were they like neighboring channels? All your favorite cartoon yeah. channels growing up? Because then you get into like HD, and they would have separate HD mm. channels, and you had like Boomerang in there, yep. and you had like the Noggin. And, oh, God. Yeah, I know, right? Dude. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Tell me. Got Your tale. Go ahead. I'm ready. Oh. I'm ready to be told a story. You're ready to be told my tale. All yes. righty. Well, so you chose the first episode from the classic Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, I instead chose the very first episode of the not as classic, but almost as good, uh, the Scooby-Doo show, Mm. which I believe, so it, you know, you already said it first that Scooby-Doo, where are you is the original, the one that started it all, the OG, Mm -hmm. but the Scooby-Doo show came around later, I believe in the early eighties, late seventies, um, I didn't type up like the whole history for it. Like you, you were a bit fancier than I was, (laughs) but if memory serves correct, it was actually a spinoff of what was originally called like Scooby-Doo and the Dynamut Hour or something. So it was, there was a different Saturday morning programming block for Scooby-Doo. And eventually 
again, demo research showed that they wanted to just do a different incar like a reincarnation of Scooby Doo rather than this like joint program mm. mixing Scooby Doo shorts with other cartoon shorts. Mm. And so either from that or preceding that, again, little rough on my Scooby Doo <laughs> history for this one, the Scooby Doo show was born. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it's it's interesting. It's got a little bit of a different take when I go back and like compare that to Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, or like Scooby-Doo and the uh, Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, whatever, like all the different shows. It definitely has a different feel than Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Obviously, there's still the classic villain of the week type of scenario, but mm -hmm. it's not as, it's almost not as like groovy, so to speak, as <laughs> Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Like there aren't those like super fun chase scenes with music Ooh. in every episode where they're going through different doors and like hiding and mm. then, you know. There's not all that, but there are some pretty interesting crimes that go down and some pretty interesting hauntings. Ooh. And so in the very first one, they knock it, they knock it right off. They just jump right into these crimes and they start with burglary, in fact. And what's going on here though is it's more than just burglaries, it's also haunted buildings. Yeah. Haunted by yeah, oh yeah, right. How can you separate those two things, right? Naturally, <laughs> if there's a cat burglar, then there's also going to be a specter ghost somewhere nearby. Mm -hmm. So, so today I am going to tell you about the mysterious case of the high-rise safe burglaries. So there was a string of burglaries that were occurring in several downtown high-rise condo or like apartment buildings, right? But in all of these cases, the burglars were only taking money from safes in those residences. So it's not like someone was coming home and like, holy shit, my couch is gone mm. or my TV is gone or whatever, because those would be like impossible to carry out without anyone noticing. <laughs> but also it was like something the investigators like, why are only the states being robbed? No jewelry, no random other mm. things around the houses. Also, uh, yeah. quick side note, I've never met anybody who has an actual safe in their house. Did Coolsville huh. just not use a banking system at this time? <laughs> It wasn't things. invented yet. No, uh, I I will say I do know people with safes. Okay. I do. I won't disclose who those people are. Because and I what's think the that, code and what's their address? And so their address is, no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, some people still have them. Okay. I mean, you know, some people who own guns. Well, own, yes. I mean, like a cash yeah. safe. Like, I know, like, gun safes oh. and stuff and, like, safety deposit yeah. box, but, like, safe in the wall behind a picture. Right, just like hiding, you know, you do this yeah, secret combo. Yeah, that's what I'm and, picturing here. And to like that it's just like piles of cash in there. Mm -hmm. But maybe you'll get yeah. to it. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> not, actually. I, I think that, yeah, this was just like back in the day when people didn't necessarily want to go to the bank every single day or right. didn't trust the bank. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it was, I was going to say, it was kind of like post-depression. Obviously, it was post-depression. Anything after 1929 mm. was post-depression. But maybe people were still in that mindset of keep your things at mm. home rather than tied up in the bank. Who knows? I think mm. that public sentiment on the way that we store our money has definitely changed since then. But nonetheless. It's also about to be the like Wall Street boom. So like we're probably True. not there yet in the 80s. Or it's all right. like cash for coke because it's the 80s <laughs> it's a little bit of both or perhaps <laughs> all all that they have in the safe is just coke there's just cocaine in there <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't see the safe that they're robbing <laughs> exactly the money stuff. is in the bank this is just for the illegal stuff <laughs> um, good point anyway anyway yeah. so these 
high-rise safe burglaries are going down. And coincidentally, all these safe burglaries are happening in different buildings, but the buildings are all near each other. Mm -hmm. And all of these buildings surround another single construction site for, you guessed it, another high-rise building. So you've got this block of just a bunch of high-rises right next to each other, right? And all of them are circling this construction site. Mm -hmm. So I said before, the safes that were all burglarized weren't actually... Uh, or sorry, the houses that were burglarized didn't have really anything missing but the stuff that was in the safe, right? So what's even weirder is that the safes weren't actually like busted into. They were opened as if by like someone who knew the mm. actual combination. So when the investi investigators got there, it's not like they were like blown up safes or anything or like hammered in or damaged whatsoever. They were just neatly opened and neatly closed back. Mm -hmm. And these are real investigators? Like professionals? Yes, yes. Like like legit authorities, not... Okay. Not mystery, yeah. <laughs> not mystery. mystery. Okay. They're going to okay. come into the fold soon. We'll see. Just wanted to uh, make that distinction. Yes, please do. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> that. So after like three or maybe four of these robberies took place, a lot of workers that were working at that construction site right in the middle of all of these buildings, coincidentally, just like walked off the job. It was late one night. And a bunch of them were seen just running out of the scene of the construction site. Oh. And yeah, right. And so when someone actually stopped to talk with them, they're like, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys all running? What's, what's, what's happening? Is the building freaking falling down? They're like, no, we just saw a ghost in there, like a ghost on a construction site. Natural, right? <laughs> so turns out, though, that there actually is like some local folklore. I, I suppose this is mm. also in Poolsville. I can't really tell if the kids are like traveling or if they're mm. in, their, in, in their normal city, but like we'll spring break or something. Yeah, right. I'm going to guess it was Poolsville, mm. as you will see later on, but it never really says. So it turns out, though, that there is some local folklore that connects that construction site and that whole plot of land to some like really creepy kind of stuff that went down in the past. Mm. And you're probably wondering, so what in the absolute hell does any of that have to do with safe being robbed uh -huh. from condos? Bird, but what in course, the actual hell does that have to do with safes being robbed in condos? It comes together in classic Scooby-Doo fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, going way back in history, prior to the construction of that high rise or any of those other condos being built around there. That plot of land was actually home to this old, old historic house. And to appease some of the local commies, so to speak, the construction company decided that rather than hold, just all out, you know, demolishing that house, they just kind of like picked it up somehow and moved it into the woods outside <laughs> of the city because houses built in like the 1800s were not like straight up stone and all of that, like built into the ground and they could easily just be picked up and moved out of town. So turns out that the house was actually built in the year 1820 by this dude named Ebenezer Crab. Love it. Like side note, they always are so good with the names like yep. Crab, like, Oh, this guy must be crabby. He's probably a pain in the ass. I'm going <laughs> to love him already. All right. Uh, so that's, Ebenezer, that's a beautiful name. These names right? are just. Chef's kiss. Mm. Beautiful. So, Ebenezer, he built this house in 1820, and apparently he had some super nosy neighbors, and the neighbor was going around town telling people like, hey, 
did you hear? Ebenezer Crab actually might be like a warlock or like involved in some sort of witchcraft in the dark arts because turns out that in the 50 years that Ebenezer had lived there, so I guess this is like end of the 1800s now or like 1870 maybe, Mm -hmm. the neighbor noticed that dude never aged. Like he stayed the same his whole life. So essentially, if this nosy neighbor was alive right now, he'd be calling like Pharrell and Cher, like (laughs) witches and warlocks, which... Welcome to Hollywood, baby. (laughs) Yeah, right. Welcome to Hollywood. Cher, you're going to have people freaking tiki torching at your house apparently (laughs) soon because this neighbor's all up in your business. Yeah. So spoiler alert, that's what happens next to Ebenezer Crab. He's at home one day. Yeah, right. He's at home one day and he just sees this angry mob tiki torching towards his house running him out of town because apparently the rumor of one neighbor is enough to literally bring an entire community together and oust this man essentially from polite society. And they're just jealous because he looks good. Yeah, I know, right? Like, dude, you could learn a thing from him instead of like banishing him. Get get that that skincare routine. (laughs) Right. And like maybe building houses is good for your health. Like having build houses for (laughs) all y'all. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I guess around 1870, the town marched together and ran him out. He disappeared. But Mm. some people locally say that he is indeed still alive and that every 20 years he returns to that plot of land in Coolsville so that he can make himself younger again, whatever that Mm. means. I guess if he's got some like crazy spells or some sort of crazy like, I don't know. I don't know what 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 do witches and warlocks do? What do they do to keep their appearance? I don't know some boiling cauldron of locals that he drinks. And we're not going to go any down any like QAnon sort of. You're uh, <laughs> not a pizza game. <laughs> no. Oh God! Don't get me started on pizza gate. All right. That's a, this is a tangent. We're going to go on it just for a second though. The restaurant that Pizzagate initially started from, Comet Pizzeria, mm-hmm. right down the street from my law school actually. So I drove by it very often. Oh my yeah. God. People still occasionally go outside of there and just like hold up random signs like save our children and stuff. And meanwhile, like suburban, like Marylanders and DCers are just like trying to like get their freaking pizza and play arcade games. <laughs> it's it's funny, but like driving by that place, I can tell you there ain't a bunch of kids stored in their basement. Yeah, let's go ahead and <laughs> yeah, debunk that right now. Yeah, and I don't think Hillary Clinton would be like frequenting that restaurant either. <laughs> Nothing against her or the restaurant, just like saying as yes. an objective truth. Yeah, not on the radar. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to our story. <laughs> we'll, fast, we'll fast forward. We're out of the old times of Ebenezer Crab and we're back in the future, or I guess back in the present, mm-hmm. or I guess technically it's our past because it's Scooby-Doo. Whatever. Back to the more present past from the more past past. <laughs> that thing you yeah. said there. Uh, so, <laughs> so remember we had that massive worker walkout, which essentially they're all saying, oh my God, this construction site's haunted. This ghost of Ebenezer Crab is like running around chasing us and like laughing and cackling at us in the middle of the night. So essentially like these workers are just like asserting workplace grievances and like safety grievances, (laughs) but whatever. Construction companies like fine, leave, we'll hire new people then. Mm. Um, But a lot of these crewmen are saying that when they saw the ghost, they're like, he's got this long, pale, like palish blue face. He had like really, really white hair that was honestly kind of long. Mm-hmm. And like, to be totally honest, like stunningly high cheekbones. 
So again, like if it is Ebenezer Crab, like dude, get your freaking beauty routine from him because mm-hmm. he's got he's not aged in like two hundred years <laughs> and he has beautiful cheekbones. Anyway. And hair apparently. And, and like, hair, yeah. Conditioner. A mane, let me tell you, like a white mane. Like to be totally fair, he kind of was like giving like Andrew Jackson or like Beethoven vibes with just like how thick and luscious that hair was and how like a beautiful prominent widow's peak to it was just so I was like, man, this guy's actually like he's pretty glamorous. He has like this long red cloak and this suit with like the frills around the collar. Can I briefly so, side tangent your comment about Beethoven please. and retell yes. the story of once when Bird and I in high school were in a group project. I don't um, know the day you saw the day I don't know what class this was even for, but for some reason Whatever group project we had, we like had to watch the like, I don't know, two thousands ish film Amadeus, which was yeah. like, wait, that's Mozart, not Beethoven. Either but way, still, yeah, it's a long ass film, and this was like DVD days where like a film that was over like an hour and a half had to be split into Multiple two DVDs. DVDs. Yeah. So Bird and rest of group project folks um, are at my <laughs> Fisher's my house. Uh, watching this film and we were like okay great like let's watch it so you know it's the basement we got popcorn we're all friends hanging out anyways lights are dimmed i'm pretty sure it was me who pops in the first disc and we're like what the (laughs) fuck is happening in this film this film is so confusing oh my god he's dead and then we're like that was so weird let's watch part two and like and also that (laughs) why did he die so early in the movie (laughs) yeah Yeah. anyway we're like halfway through when he dies and then like the credits roll like what is happening i guess let's watch the second half and i put it in and then it's like the opening scene with like the title card and that's when i realized like i fucked up and i put part two in before part one and we watched it like out of order completely for this school project because Anyways. we didn't learn after the end credits came down that <laughs> that was the second. And we were like, oh, that's an interesting place to put ending credits in the <laughs> middle of the movie. And, like, is the second half going to be about, like, the great influence that, like, he had in the yeah. world? Like, no, Maybe it's just... it'll, like, travel to the future and, like, <laughs> we'll look at all of the, yeah, the great things that have come after Mozart's nope. work and everything. That was, that had to have been for, uh, it was definitely a history class. I remember it was whenever we were studying salons because the project oh. was like have have a salon like as Aww. they did during the Renaissance. And at the time, you and I were both very obsessed with Family Guy. <laughs> and there was there was a reference to that movie in Family Guy. And I can't remember what the reference was now, but we would always joke about it. So as soon as we found out we were in the same group, and as soon as we found out it was salon themed, we're like, we don't care what the fuck anyone else in our group says. We are watching Amadeus. <laughs> this is like the only opportunity that we will have to do this. Like, and it like reasonably, because like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to turn on Amadeus now, even no. though I probably understand it more than I did then. Because we're watching but the right yeah. order now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think that we like went back and redid it either. Like yeah. watch it in order. I think we're like, fuck it. Like we're this is it. That was too long to go yeah. back and rewatch. Like yeah, we just kept in. like steamrolling through. But yeah, you're absolutely correct yeah. that we were like, this is what we're doing, group. Yeah, and, and they were like, that. okay, I guess that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, what a mistake uh, that a school administration made whenever we were in a class together. 
Pretty much. I don't think they understand what they were getting the rest of the class and that teacher into. Yep. Okay. Anyways. Um, so, the vibe. Anyway. The look. Yes. It's here. The vibe. The look. And I'm not going to lie. When I was writing this, I was like, God, is it Beethoven or Mozart that he looks like? I can't remember. So I did have to look a picture oh. of both of them up. And then I did immediately think back to that movie, Amadeus. Mm-hmm. But I did forget that you played them out of order. That's <laughs> all I remember from the movie. That. And I was like, oh my God, that totally is like. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Oh, we were we were on top of it. So, yes, this dude he gives total Beethoven slash like Jacksonian vibes, like this long cloak, beautiful thick mane. Um, he scares the whole crew off of this construction site, right? And so now the site's like, well, we have to finish construction, like the good capitalists we are. So we better hire a new whole new crew that is either self-loathing and or ignorant and will not care when they realize we're putting them in a ridiculously life-threatening mm-hmm. So they start putting ads into the help wanted section of the local paper and literally the ads say like no experience necessary <laughs> apply anytime like super safe for a construction gig right mm-hmm. and like mind you this is like maybe within a decade of OSHA laws coming into effect <laughs> Okay, it's like the end of the 70s. I'm pretty sure OSHA was like 70, somewhere between 70 and like 73 or something They were something still working like on like implementation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, this is like, we're skirting on some thin wires. <laughs> this, this could be a little damaging for some people. Mm-hmm. So anyway, usually I would not commend any sort of organization for hiring based on a lack of experience but in this case it actually worked out very very well for the construction company because guess who came across this ad in the help wanted paper the teens from mystery inc now uh grace you have already obviously described our fearless five members with mystery inc i guess i will recommend people either rewinding it or going back to that episode to revisit who all of our players are those five gang members but Nonetheless, we have Freddie, Shaggy, Daphne, and Vilma and Scooby enjoying pizza one evening at a local Sam's Pizzeria in uh, downtown Coolsville. And Fred and Shaggy are kind of freaking out like, oh, man, we need some money. We haven't been getting any calls about mystery lately. Oh. They're like, yeah, let's, let's look through the help wanted section or whatever. Just find a job while Scooby's like running around the restaurant, probably messing with the pizza guy or whoever mm-hmm. the chef in the kitchen. And so coincidentally, Vilma's got a newspaper out in front of her and, you know, she's looking like, hey, here's an interesting story about actually some safe burglaries that are going on around town. Meanwhile, Shaggy's like, that's cool, but I said I need a job. I don't care about that. So what does the help wanted section say? (laughs) So totally just ignoring Vilma's interest in this legitimate crime that's Mm -hmm. going on right outside of essentially this pizzeria. (laughs) And instead, flipping to the help wanted, and they notice, hey, this construction site is uh, hiring, so let's go there. We don't need experience. So, it's late at night, mind you. Like, they're out for a late night slice, and this was the night crew that got ran out of the construction site or, like, chased out of there by the specter. So, the crew was like, hey, it's nighttime, but they say apply anytime, right? So, let's go apply right now. So, they drive on over to this construction site. So many concerns. About this HR situation. Yeah, we're, I'm getting right into the HR as we speak. So, the site is run by this guy named Mr. Doherty, 
who clearly served as inspiration for the likeness of Indiana Jones when those movies came out. He had this like awesome fedora on and like a leather coat and like kind of baggy khakiish jeans or jean pants, whatever. Amazing. It's, so he's overseeing the construction site. He runs the show. He tries to keep like the day-to-day stuff going. He's the one who hires people and fires people, all of that. And so just like that next night after all those workers were scared off, that group of teens, Shaggy, Fred, Vilma, Daphne, and their dog come into actually the employment office at that construction site, right? So Doherty, he's like kind of looking at Shaggy and Fred like, okay, that works, but it is like the late 70s. So he's like, I don't know why the fuck Vilma and Daphne are here, (laughs) but okay. So he pretty much just like, introduces himself like hi i'm doherty and they're like hi i'm shaggy i'm fred whatever and then he just hires them he's like okay come on are you guys cool with the night shift and they're like uh yeah sure i guess And he's like you mean like like this night shift like now (laughs) so then they start working pretty much on the spot right then and there but again as i said he's like clearly has no interest in hiring Vilma and daphne in the year 1979 or whatever for a construction site So seeing that only Fred and Shaggy are offered jobs, they decide that they will go off and do something else. But before (laughs) Daphne and Velma leave, Mr. Doherty is like, hey, I got to warn you guys. I've been having some trouble keeping workers on lately because we've got this darn ghost that's just haunting this construction site, right? So... (laughs) That obviously picks at least Daphne's interest. She's like, a ghost? Like, a specter? What? And Doherty kind of looks at her like, why are you still here, by the way? But I said I didn't whatever. need a secretary, I, lady. <laughs> I'm just hiring workers, okay? Can you hold a hammer? Can you? I didn't think like, so. I don't think women knew how to hold hammers until 1990, okay? Uh, so I think that's when they earliest. officially started teaching that in school. <laughs> So anyway, Daphne and Velma, they're more interested at this point in this whole tale of the specter than Fred and Shaggy are. So they ask him, like, what do you mean a a ghost has been here? And naturally, Shaggy instantly is like, oh, shoot, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. But Doherty goes on and explains. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, there used to be a house on this plot of land. And so people think that something happened and it's got to do with why this ghost is running around here. And so while Fred and Shaggy are assigned to their first duties because they reluctantly are like, okay, fine, we'll still take the job. Fred actually took it more so because he wanted to then solve the mystery mm. and Shaggy took it just because Fred told him to. So they they end up getting assigned to their first job duties, but before they head off to go meet the other remaining construction site workers, Fred turns to Vilma and Daphne and he's like, hey, you two, go down to the newspaper library archives and see if you can find anything you can about that old house that was on this plot of land. Mm. Because Apparently, the public can just go down to your local newspaper library archive and just wander around, even in the middle of the night when there's probably no one there. So Daphne Mm. and Velma were like, oh, yeah, good idea. You guys do the man's work and we'll go do the ladies' work and go rifle through papers. So Mm. and break team. So boom, they break. Daphne and Velma go one way, Fred and Shaggy the other. So Fred and Shaggy are taken around the construction site by Mr. Doherty. And he's introducing them to all the the two remaining workers there. 
One of them is named Mr. Jim Rivets. Rivets, as in like the tool or like the part. Exactly. Gotta love these puns. And so Mr. Rivets, he's like this typical blue collar union looking guy, right? He's Mm -hmm. described as one of the two men safe enough or brave enough rather to stick around even after these hauntings started. Mm -hmm. He's got this like kind of big belly, like stockier upper body, like a push-ups guy and not a squats guy. <laughs> He's got like dark hair, this big, super thick mustache, all this, just like your your classic, like almost Midwestern union looking construction worker mm-hmm. guy. And so he's showing the boys, Jaggy and uh, Fred, and also Scooby is still there for some reason, because dogs <laughs> are allowed to put on hard hats and just cruise around construction. Good naturally mm-hmm. so he's touring all of them around the site and telling them hey uh fred you're going to be on the 19th floor of construction and shaggy you're going to be on the top floor so he is putting these teenage boys with no experience in construction on like the two top floors alone of this building alone yes totally safe right and again <laughs> this is like less than a decade post osha so we've, we've got some issues here that probably mm. need to be hammered out by the federal government, <laughs> but pretty sure OSHA was amended later on down the road, probably because people from Coolsville were complaining about its enforcement. So, <laughs> or lack Jackie, thereof, yes. Yeah, right. So they, they drop Fred off on the 19th floor and they take Shaggy up to the top floor. And Shaggy is then introduced to a man named Red Sparks. All right. And Jesus. Can, can, can you guess what color the man's hair is? <laughs> Blonde? Yes, actually. No. Oh, it's red. It's red. And it's, he's got this like bright red hair peeking out underneath his construction cap. Mm. And he's also got like very strikingly high cheekbones. Again, what is the deal oh. with beautifully high cheekbones in Coolsville? I don't know. So Red Sparks, he's the foreman for the top floor. And he essentially talks Shaggy through, you know, how to use all these power tools for about five minutes, maybe. And then he leaves. <laughs> so Shaggy is stuck with like this industrial grade impact wrench that's probably like bigger than his head. And he's just like on the top floor, like bolting shit into these girders. Again, totally safe. But I'm so scared. This building will fall down because of that. Uh, pretty much. I mean... Yeah, we should actually look to see if there were any, like, later stories about the building <laughs> collapsing on people. No, we'll get into it. Oh, that would be super traumatic. But anyway, so they're all starting to kind of get the hang of the work that they're doing, right? Fred's down there hammering away because, as we know, Fred is just, like, total alpha male. He doesn't need no training on tools, so he's doing That's totally fine by himself. Shaggy, though, him and Scooby, they actually start to, like, experience some pretty creepy shit going down. So. They don't know whether or not to believe the Spectre story. Obviously, Shaggy is afraid of any mention of ghosts. But at that point, he's like, well, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm getting paid. So whatever. Hammering away. Then out of nowhere, the Spectre just like appears in front of them. I mean, it's actually kind of funny how he does it. (laughs) I don't know if you want me to explain. Yes, I do. All right. So he asks, Shaggy is working and he's asking Scooby to refill a bucket of ribbon. And yes, they use the term rivets just after introducing Jim Rivets. They like really want to make you know how punny they are. (laughs) And so Scooby's like doing this pulley thing. He's pulling down this new bucket of fresh rivets to do whatever construction work they're doing. And the specter is standing 
in the bucket <laughs> that Scooby pulls down. Oh, Scooby must be strong. He's super strong, and the specter must have very tiny feet. <laughs> or he's just like on his tiptoes in this bucket. And he's like posing too. Ooh, All right, Spectre is like he knew. Oh, he knew. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna scare the living hell mm-hmm. out of these kids. I cannot yep. wait. So he's, he's practicing like, in the mirror, he's poses. <laughs> exactly. He knows, he already knows. Like, this is the one I'm gonna use when I scare these teenagers that come to work today. This is my All bucket right? look. <laughs> oh my god, I have to show you a picture of this so funny he's got like arms up it's like um when you're watching gymnasts after they stick the landing on a floor routine yes exactly amazing anyway so he shows up to them he appears to them they obviously both freak out and classic scooby-doo chase ensues around the building mm. the, the building that's under construction mind you oh i forgot <laughs> super hazardous okay <laughs> they're literally running on like beams and steel girders to avoid this jumping over like wheelbarrows and whatnot and like tossing bags of cement over the oh, edges to ju- yeah so totally, the edge? totally normal yeah just like wherever to stay safe like they don't care about mm. the consequences of their actions they just don't want to get killed by the yeah i guess so anyway the chase ends when they get down and finally catch back up with Fred, so I guess somehow they get down to the 19th floor from being on the top floor. Mm-hmm. And when Fred's like, what are you guys doing? We're trying to work. Like, you guys are going to get us fired. Shaggy is like, we're being chased by the specter. Can you not see it? And Fred looks and he's like, dude, there's nothing there. But I 100% agree with you because I want to solve a mystery and not work on this construction. So Fred. let's look into it. Fred's like, finally <laughs> tosses the hammer behind him. <laughs> lands on freaking Mr. Dory. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Mr. Sparks just knocked out. (laughs) Knocked out. Anyway, so they reconvene down in the uh, employment office where they first met up with Mr. Doherty when they first got the jobs. And when they get there, the ladies, for some reason, return at the exact same time. So I guess they're like, hey, let's take a break. And mind you, again, this is like before cell phones, as we always Mm. say. So it's not like they called them like, hey, we found something. Come back. It's almost like just, hey, stroke of faith, you know, things happen. They got got back right when Mm. the boys were done being haunted. They all reconvened. (laughs) Normal. And so they tell... uh, Vilma and Daphne tell the boys and Mr. Doherty everything that they learned while they were down rifling through old uh, library archive or newspaper library archives and files. And it was pretty much all that old history that we mm. talked about at the beginning, that there was a dude named Ebenezer Crabb who lived there, super old house, got tiki torch out of town, might have been involved with the dark arts a little bit. They learned mm. all those little intricacies. And so then Doherty is like, well, again, why are you guys back here? <laughs> I don't <laughs> These men you, should be working. Did you bring me a scotch? <laughs> yeah, why are you ladies here? Um, but then once he realizes that they're actually like invested in why this fight is being haunted, he's like, okay, I guess I'll let them like stick around, even though I have no other use for these two teenage ladies who keep showing up and distracting my male workers. Um <laughs> And so Velma and Daphne, they start to tell, uh, they start to tell him like, hey, maybe we should like investigate the house while Shaggy and Fred are still working here. Maybe oh, yeah. like it seems to be part of like the reason why this is all haunted because you moved everything. So he, they make that suggestion. And Good. Fred is like, 
you know, that's a good idea, Velma, a really good idea. You and Shaggy go, actually, and me and Daphne are going to stay here. <laughs> Dory's probably like, I'm trying to get rid of the ladies. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, like, I don't like Daphne working here, but okay, <laughs> fine. Sure, let her so, in my construction site. And also, like, yeah, pretty sure that they're all supposed to still be on the clock. So I guess just, like, right in front of Doherty, they're like, yeah, uh, Shaggy's totally just going to ditch right now. He'll be <laughs> back when he wants. I hope this is the type of employee that you like having on your construction site because I know you're already behind schedule with people walking off on you, but you really have no other choice. So yeah, here's another one walking off on you right <laughs> yeah, now. Pretty much. So the three of them, Shaft, uh, Velma, Shaggy, and uh, Scooby, they head on over to Crab's old house. And they never really, like, explain how the construction crew moved it there, but hmm. it somehow ended up, like, in the middle of the woods, a little far away from downtown. Like, we can assume that they had to drive at least, like, 15 or 20 minutes to get there. So it's not like they moved it just, like, next door. Like, they had hmm. to legitimately haul this thing for a while. So, so they get to the house, they knock on the door, and this is where they knock. Crazy. Yeah, they knock. How polite of them, right? Rather than just breaking in, they walk That's up, good. start to knock, and then the door is like slowly creeping open, and there's a super old lady there, actually. And oh. They're all kind of surprised. Like, I think they just kind of like knocked to make sure no one was there because they probably did not think anyone was there since the person who built the house died like 200 years ago. or. So we think. To have, so we think was said to die 200 years ago. And so this super old, like pale lady opens the door. She's got, again, a very thick mane, like all white hair, beautiful hair. So I don't know what conditioner these people are using, but it's gotta know. good. Again, a prominent widow's peak, hmm. long chin, thin face. She's like talking with her dance, doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> like bony hands, yep. all that, and like this like really long dark cloak around her shoulders. Mm. So she like honestly actually just looks like a female version of Ebenezer Crab, so to <laughs> speak. And lo and behold, she introduces herself as Nettie Crab, Ebenezer's great, great, great granddaughter. Ooh. And so even though she looks like very creepy and like scary and honestly like she herself is a ghost, she's actually like super friendly and like yeah. warmly welcomes the three in like, hey, come on in, take a look around. What can I help you with? It's and they're in the like, middle of the night. Come on in, strange children. <laughs> Strangers who may kill me. I don't know yeah. who you are who, who rolled up here in some weirdly colored van. Thanks for bringing your what? dog into my house too. Yeah, I hope right. his paws aren't muddy. I, I just <laughs> freaking clean. <laughs> so anyway, these three, or at least the two who can talk, are like, hey, we're really interested in all this history of Ebenezer Crab, and we've been sent here to kind of do some research. Do you mind if we look around? And she's like, oh, for sure. Go ahead. Rifle through my house and my old family heirlooms and possessions. Like, have at it. Kids. But before she sends them off, she is certain to warn these teens that, just so you know, the ghost of Ebenezer Crab, he comes back every 20 years and he come back any minute now, kind Ooh. of like implying, hey, while you're here, this dude may show up. Interesting. So she warns them of that and then kind of sends them to rifle through her home and, you know, her old personal belongings. <laughs> uh, they make their way up to Ebenezer's old room. And they remember her mentioning, too, that Ebenezer was involved in black magic. So they're like, oh, God, I hope that his room's not, like, cursed or something or that mm. we're not going to get, like, haunted just from stepping in his room. And so they go in there and they do actually find a book of 
spells to confirm that this guy did at least have some interest in magic, if, whether mm. it was like birthday party level type of stuff or just like legitimate dark arts, like trying mm -hmm. to take over the world and find the key to immortality type cool. of stuff. Eh, not much to, you know, be explained there, but nonetheless, he for sure was like practicing spells and dark magic at some point in his life. But it's not this, like, book of spells that they find that they're intrigued by. It's actually, like, this old dusty trunk that Vilma's like, hey, get over here and help me open this. There might be some cool stuff in here, even though there's clearly, like, cool stuff everywhere around the room in the open to prove that this guy was, like, up to some pretty creepy things. Also, has no one gone into this room in multiple generations and, like, cleaned it out? I guess not. There were cobwebs everywhere. Like, huh. even Nettie herself, I guess she just maybe, like, peeks in there to make sure it's not on fire and then just, like, dips. I don't That's know. the door. No one, even even when they moved it through the construction process or whatever, like, picking it up and moving it from that original plot of land, they still, nothing moved, nothing no. shook, nothing was taken out, just anything. They still just settled. Perfectly, Yeah. So they're in the bedroom. They open up this trunk that Vilma is like very interested in. And out the trunk, they pull this old receipt, which normally it's like, why would that be like a clue? Why would that be anything that interests you? But they realize that the receipt was dated for, I think, only like a month or so ago or a few weeks ago. And they're like, yeah. whoa, why would this? like 200 year old ghost need anything like, why would he buy anything within a month ago and so it turns out that the receipt was for an old telescopic lens of some sort so like I guess what you would put in a telescope mm. and so right as they find that they're trying to look for more clues to like make sense of why this receipt would be in this guy's house in the first place yeah. but then like Nettie Crab bursts in the room like hey guys just warning you, Ebenezer may be here soon, like reminding them, Nettie. like, hey, yeah, I know, right, Nettie, back up, okay? Go back to bed. But it's actually really nice because when she reminds them of that, she's also like, could I offer you tea while we wait for it? <laughs> so it's like, Aww. oh, Nettie, you're so nice, Aww. but also freaking creepy. Yeah, so we like, absolutely, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not waiting for him, especially not over tea. He's going to freaking <laughs> kill us, probably. He's a ghost. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Shaggy is like, uh, no, thank you. We are going to go. We have seen enough creepy stuff and we do not want your creepy tea and to wait for your creepy great, great, great grandfather or whatever to somehow re-arrive here. Uh -huh. And so the three of them, they head back to the construction site. Nettie is like, okay, bye. Nice meeting you. And they head back to the construction site and they tell Fred and Daffy and uh, Mr. Doherty what all they found mm -hmm. over there, which again was just a receipt and again okay what time is it like what Great. hour of day they've, they've been working apparently for like an hour at the construction site they drove over to Nettie's house they had to be there for at least a little bit yeah and they're driving back well like, plus all, the drive times like yeah exactly like all this driving where are your parents where who's paying for gas point. it has to be and <laughs> the construction site, the construction site is still open because they go back and Doherty is just down there hanging out with Fred and Daphne still who by the way appear to have accomplished absolutely nothing. It's like, yeah, Daphne's going to stay here with me so that we can, you know, investigate the construction. Nothing. I, like, well, they have absolutely nothing to show for it when, when uh, Shaggy and Vilma. And yeah. Back. So right. pretty much. Right. So I think we know what they were doing. Uh, <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> so Doherty, when he's listening to the three of them tell the story of what they just found at the old uh, crab house, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. You said you talked to Nettie Crab? And Velma's like, yeah, dude, why are you shocked? Like, she was really friendly. And Doherty's like, well, she's been dead for 50 years. Excuse so, me? <laughs> yeah. So that's impossible. Vilma, she's like totally not shaken by this revelation whatsoever. Like, oh, hey, I might have just been in the house of a ghost talking to a ghost. Looking so she can be Exactly. So she's like, huh, interesting. Well, anyway, here's this receipt that we found, though, in Ebenezer's room. So they show this receipt to the gang. And I guess Fred, he like had a moment of inferiority because he realized that they didn't actually accomplish anything at the construction site. Because uh-huh. he just like jumps in in the middle of Velma's sentence trying to explain what the receipt was for. Like, hey, look, it's for an old telescopic lens. <laughs> like, you okay. can read. We get it, Fred. We get it. Thanks. I was getting there, Freddie. Okay. <laughs> and so he was like, look, it was made to Ebenezer. The receipt was made to Ebenezer just a couple months ago. And so their next idea is, ding, let's go to this store where he bought the lens. So, again, (laughs) apparently they have late night hours and it's the favorite spot for teenage locals in Coolsville, the Optical Lens Company Incorporated. (laughs) (laughs) And when they, when they, you know, they get there, they pull up. I think they knock on the door because maybe like normal people, they're wondering if the place is open at uh-huh. two or three in the morning, but you know, lo and behold, the door is burst open by actually this kind of like nerdy, but friendly looking guy called Mr. Speck. Oh my God. Mr. Speck. Yes. It continues. <laughs> Never ends. And he turns out to be the owner of optical lens company incorporated. Mm. And he also uh, seems to be extremely excited about like teenagers knocking on his door late at night because mm. they like want to learn about lenses. Mm. So he's like, oh my God, yes, come in, come in. Wear the mask. Again, I don't think he cares, which is concerning in and of itself, uh-huh. but whatever. Let's get him two separately. Go on. <laughs> so this guy, he's got dark brown hair and he's like sporting the middle part. It's like the fancy, like curled up hair in the front. Got Aww. these like big spectacles naturally being named Mr. Spec. Speck and owning a spectacle lens company. So got like this nice, this nice three piece, three piece suit on and a bow tie. Oh, like yeah. he, they obviously want this guy to be, you know, to come off as extremely innocent, intelligent, mm. and also mm. just like very concerned about the interests of these teenagers. Mm. Like, why are they interested in lenses? I'm so happy to expose them to this whole new mm. world of lenses. Mm. And so Fred just kind of like walks up, like, explain this receipt. <laughs> Mr. Speck is like, oh, okay, sure. Holy yeah, uh, it was for an electronic spoto telescopic lens. Um, I'm not an expert on lenses. I'm not sure if that is at all legit. Is that real? There are, yeah, if that's real. But nonetheless, that is the type of lens that Ebenezer Crab was buying a couple months ago from this store. And so he grabs another one spec. He goes throughout the store and he grabs another lens like that one that Ebenezer bought a couple months prior. I Mm. guess they had another one in stock and he shows it to the kids so that they can see what kind of lens is on that receipt. He does not question why the kids have this receipt, why they're interested in this receipt, but Mm. he's happy to help them again, explore their newfound interest in lenses. He wants to be included. He does. And you know, isn't that what we all want? Like, aren't we all, aren't we all Mr. Speck 
in our own way. <laughs> yeah. Philosophical questions yeah. to be answered here. Bonus content. We'll we'll analyze I'll that. How in. how much do you relate to Mr. Speck in this moment? <laughs> how old were you when you realized you two are Mr. Speck? <laughs> this right now. <laughs> I, I was 29 years old. <laughs> so uh Speck shows them this lens and he tells Fred, like, here, use it to like look outside. And Fred uses it. He's looking through it. He's like, oh my gosh, whoa, it like essentially turned night into day. Again, confirming that it's late at night and they're at this lens store, but also confirming that for some reason, Ebenezer Crab or someone who was trying to come off as Ebenezer Crab wanted some lens that would make darkness light, essentially. Like night which, vision type of thing? Yeah, I guess. And so they don't really explain the science behind it, mm. but Spec is just like, yeah, it's a very like special kind of lens. It just like changes the way you see things. Right? Mm. The reflections and everything make it seem a lot brighter than it actually is when you're using it. And so he, uh, Fred is like, okay, well, can I take this lens? Like, can we have this? <laughs> Because we're like investigating this mystery of the specter. And so he like makes no mention that he wants to buy the lens. He makes no mention that he wants to even like loan it. That he'll even put money down. He's like, can we have this? There's no like collateral and, put down. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the collateral, right? Spec is like, sure, you can have it. Just sign this receipt. <laughs> sign this piece of paper showing me that you have it. And you can take this super unique lens that I Super expensive. And solve your mystery, right? Yeah, it's super expensive, whatever. So they leave the shop with this awesome lens now. They it's... I'm assuming they sign the receipt. And now I'm not sure if all four or five, including Scooby, had to sign or if just Fred had to sign. You know, Knowing them, it probably was just Fred. She's like, oh, I'm in charge. Oh. I'll sign this. I'm sure the combination was it like just Fred and then like did Daphne as everyone else like walked out like hand the blank check over and is just like I know. (laughs) The unseen scenes of Scooby-Doo it's like every time the gang does anything like we don't see it but Daphne like slides a blank check under like (laughs) just right in for the damage we already know we're gonna mess something up here. You know who my father is, yes. Exactly. That's the Blake family. You Go see the it. name on that, Blake Incorporated. <laughs> we'll pay for it. Just yeah. write your number. Write yes. your number. No questions asked. So anyway, they're leaving the shop and I'm pretty sure that like as they're leaving, Speck is like shedding a small tear <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I have just like released these kids back into the world with this newfound passion for like ophthalmological sciences. Like they're all going to become optometrists or like (laughs) studied lenses now. He's probably so proud of himself when really like these kids are just like on a random investigatory like gig. Yeah, no, we'll see. But anyway, so he's an adorable character Mm -hmm. and the kids obviously lean on him a lot in their solving the mystery of the specter, which again, all will circle together and we will see how this combines directly Mm -hmm. to the safe robberies. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, don't want you to forget what the initial crime was, was, but actually I should add that it's kind of like, it's kind of by accident that the kids solved that safe mm, robbery thing because they are really focused on the specter here mm. because that's the thing that drew all the people off of the construction site. So we will, we will get to the connection. Yeah, I know. Right. Original crime <laughs> I mean, is secondary. Always, always. Um, 
And so they get back to, or they're driving back to the construction site because now they have this lens. And I guess every single time that they find something new, they have to go back and report it to Doherty. But on their way back to the construction site, the specter pops up. Like, turns out he was like haunting their van. And he, oh, was, just no. on, he was hanging on top of their van. So he just like sticks his face in the windshield <laughs> as they're driving. And all of the kids, rather than just like trying to drive and shake them off, they just like stop the car, slam on the brakes, and they all scatter. So the specter is running around town, chasing these kids, trying to figure out. Because I guess he's he's on to them. He knows that they're around, like looking for things. Because mm. he's been sneaking around the construction site, kind of listening in on their conversations with Doherty. Like, oh my gosh, I think these kids might like figure me out soon. Mm. So he's haunting them. He's chasing them around the city. Shaggy is in possession of the lens. Again, as you noted, he is an all-star gymnast. I think that's like something. So I don't know if they expressly said it in that one episode. That he Okay. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's just kind of a theme. He's always the one to like do the traps and always the one mm-hmm. running away because he's like the most athletic of them, even though mm-hmm. he's super, super scared of everything. So I guess they hand off the lens to Shaggy because like he can run the fastest or like maneuver around mm-hmm. the easiest. But the specter still chases him and scares him, scares it out of his hands and steals the lens. So, yes, it's expensive, <laughs> unique lens. So now we have another mystery to solve. <laughs> they had it for five what? minutes and five they minutes. got it stolen. It's like, spec. how did you not see this coming? How did you not see this coming? We told you, put some money down. Get some money from these kids. <laughs> Daphne that- Blake is rich. Again, we assume she put a blank check down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But instead of being freaked out about this probably like super expensive lens that was just stolen from their clutches, they instead are like more focused on eating. (laughs) So they go back to that pizzeria and they're like, okay, let's start to piece pieces of this puzzle together. We know we've got a ghost. We know we've got the ghost of Ebenezer Crab or like hauntings of Ebenezer Crab. We know we found a receipt for an optical lens. And we know that that optical lens makes things go from dark to light. So over pizza, mind you. So as they're talking and going through all this information, all these clues, enjoying their fourth meal, because it's got to be like five in the morning at this point. Really? This is breakfast pizza? <laughs> I guess. I think I did see some like eggs and bacon on there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but they're going, I guess there's an early morning edition of the newspaper because they're also going through the newspaper as they're talking over these clues. And Velma, who is just sick of being ignored, she's done with it. She's like, you know what? It's my time to shine. There was another safe burglary, everyone. Listen to me. Pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention. Something weird is happening. All these safes are being burglarized from these buildings nearby. And we don't know why or how, but I feel like somehow it has to do something with the Mm. specter and with this lens that we found. And so Daphne is like, oh, you know, you're right. Now that you've, now that you mention it, all these buildings are surrounding the construction site. Maybe we should listen to you. (laughs) So the gang decides to go back to the construction site. Not sure why they didn't do that before. And again, not sure Mm -hmm. why they like doing so much driving and traveling in the middle of the night. Again, gas, question mark. Hey, back then, it was a whole different day and age. (laughs) I don't know. It was the oil boom, baby. Exactly. OPEC was setting the numbers a lot differently back (laughs) then. So through a series of twists and turns and hilarious Scooby-Doo chases, as they always are, Mm They get chased by the specter around the uh, around the construction site. Mm. 
Mm. And somehow they end up at the top floor and they end up on this. Yeah, not at all. They end up on this girder that's like swinging by a crane. And somehow Mm -hmm. it like the girder breaks into a penthouse window from one of the surrounding buildings and they all end up in there and the specter chases them in there. It's like home. Yeah, well, you know, yes, okay. into into a home, into yes. a penthouse, yes. Okay. And so when they get into the penthouse, they're super surprised when they look up and see Nettie Crab is in this penthouse, and Nettie's super surprised to see, like, whoa. Old ghost lady? What is she? Yeah, old ghost lady, old friendly ghost lady offering tea while she waited for her great-great-great-grandfather to return to his old home. She's mm-hmm. chilling in a penthouse now. She's moved up in the world in the past, like, two or three hours. Damn. And so she's like super surprised to see them in the penthouse too. And she's acting all like confused, like, Oh my, what are you doing here? What's happening? And the specter pops up right behind the kids. And so through a bunch of more, you know, random Mm Scooby-Doo antics of trapping folks, like somehow a bucket of wet cement falls into the penthouse (laughs) off of the girder and it traps Nettie and the ghost of Ebenezer Crab's feet Ooh. to the penthouse floor and both probably ruined both of them. Both of them. And the penthouse carpet is ruined. Mind I mean, you, as the a windows result. already ruined. Like, windows this HOA. Yeah. This. Sorry, you guys. You're going to have to find a way to pay this. I don't know what your insurance plan is. Daphne is like, sitting there. Yeah, writing, writing the, the check. check. Like, okay, new carpet. <laughs> She's like assessing the whole penthouse. Like, okay, well, let's do this color on this wall. When we redo it. <laughs> now, while we're redoing it, let's give this a little glow up. It's not of bad taste. <laughs> I wish it was Nettie's. Actually, you know, I guess it's, well, we're about to find We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. So the Spectre and Nettie are now trapped. And it's at this moment that you realize, oh, wow, Nettie actually, like Doherty was right. That's just a ghost of Nettie. She's actually not on our side. Oh, like, shit. even though she was creepy, she was still nice and offering tea. So who is, what's going on? And in classic fashion, Vilma and Fred seem to already be like two steps ahead of everyone mm-hmm. else. Like, oh, we know what's going to happen <laughs> when we take these uh, when we take these masks off. So, again, before we go through uh, who exactly is underneath mm-hmm. the masks, we'll recap all the people that we've met this evening mm-hmm. or these evenings that Mystery Inc. has been working construction and trying to resolve <laughs> a haunting on that construction uh-huh. site. And also kind of inadvertently tripping over into a safe burglary investigation at the same time. So we had Mr. Jim Rivett, the thoroughly good old union looking construction man who initially gave the folks a tour around the construction Mm -hmm. site. We had Mr. Red Sparks, who was the foreman on the top floor. He was who Shaggy reported to, obviously trained him for a few minutes and then kind of disappeared. We had Mr. Speck, the lovable uh, nerdy lens guy who owned Optical Lens Co. Incorporated. And then, of course, we have Mr. Doherty, the guy who oversees the entire construction mm. site. So, I don't know if I want to ask you if you know who was underneath these two masks. Wait, I want to guess. Yeah, go ahead and guess. So, okay. yes, and of course, it's two people. So, you have the ghost of Ebenezer Crab and you have the ghost of Nettie Crab. Great. I think it was the two. I think it was Sparks and Rivets. Ding, ding, ding. It was both ding, of them? Ding, ding. It was both of them. It Bam, was both baby. of them. All right. So 
Let me see here. I'm pretty sure. So Ribbits was underneath Ebenezer's uh, okay. costume and Sparks was under. No, sorry. I got that backwards. Sparks was underneath Ebenezer's costume. Rivets was under Nettie Kratz's costume. Okay. Obviously, Sparks, the high cheekbones. You cannot hide behind cheekbones that wonderful. Even Ty- Tyra Banks would know. Like, nah, uh-uh. Only That's so red. much makeup, That is people. Red Sparks. Exactly. That is Red Sparks underneath that costume. Wow. Don't deny who you are, Sparky. Beautiful. <laughs> we, we see them cheekbones. <laughs> we work them. You work them. And uh, Mr. Rivets, obviously, with that, like, stocky exterior, stocky upper body, he had that cloak covering him. Oh. You, you would have never known that there was a big old union guy underneath there. That's what I was so. going to ask. Like, how did he look like a creepy old lady? Also, how did he get to that house in the construction? I'm sure you know, to it. Um, unfortunately, I won't. You know, they <laughs> never actually said <laughs> Cool. They never say. I guess we see them quickly train the teens and then kind of run away. Mm. So I guess when Shaggy and Scooby were haunted on the top floor, that was, you know, Mr. Sparks, he, he trained them for like five minutes and then he just kind of dipped like you don't mm. see where he went. So he clearly ran somewhere, changed in the costume and uh. started like joking around. And there was quite a bit of time between then and when Vilma and Shaggy got to the old crab house. Oh, that's right. So, Maybe like yeah, they didn't go right uh, away. They went exactly to the library and then there. Yeah, maybe Rivets like left right after showing them around. He's like, oh man, I better go get this house ready because these kids might be coming <laughs> over. I gotta make it look haunted and spooky. So weird. Um, but anyway, so how the hell does this connect to safe burglary? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Keep coming back. Like, oh yeah. yeah. What does that yeah. have to do with anything? <laughs> Original yeah. crime. In this episode, the story is definitely more focused on the haunting of the buildings than it mm. is the actual crime. But I guess there is like a lot of trespassing going on with the haunting of the buildings and everything, Always. and like assault and all, all sorts <laughs> of other dark. yeah, a lot, lot of other stuff is happening. But for the safe burglaries, they find out the kids find out that Red Sparks and Jim actually Jim Rivets have a long history actually of burglarizing buildings, breaking in, and, you know, robbing safes, but only safes. Mm-hmm. And they realize that they actually, Rivets and Sparks, own that penthouse, or at least somehow have access to that penthouse. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they use this special telescopic lens to look out of their penthouse window, look around at the other high-rises oh. that are around them, no. look into windows. No. Yeah, so getting very rear window-y here. Yeah, no. <laughs> very Alfred Hitchcock here. Yeah. And what they do is they use the lens to zoom in on people opening their safe. Oh, they claim the that's all. They claim mm. that's it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're able to get the code. And then they break into the buildings. They don't really go in depth on how they're able to sneak into so many buildings, but Listen, if they have fake construction worker uniforms, I'm yep, sure they can exactly. get like fake like butler outfits or something. And yep. getting into these buildings somehow, breaking into these condos, they already have the combinations for the safe from using that optical yes. lens. They break in, makes it look like no, you know, no harm, no foul, or makes it look like the person who owned the safe did it themselves and just mm. got like super coked up or drunk and forgot that they <laughs> took all their money out, whatever. Uh-huh. And so they use this amazing vantage point from their penthouse to figure out what's safe to burglarize. But as it turns out, if this new high rise that's under construction, 
if the construction finishes, it'll obstruct their view. Exactly. So rather than let that high rise finish being constructed, they decide, hey, let's like dress up as ghosts and let's capitalize on this (laughs) old history, this folklore of Ebenezer Crab, which honestly kind of the perfect storm for them because like they knew that that history existed. Mm. They knew that there would be some like, uh, some superstitions arising mm. from them moving the house and like, oh God, you're unleashing all sorts of haunted stuff onto mm. this area. So they totally took advantage of that and were like, hey, we can like scare people away from the construction site mm. by making them think that we're haunting the site because they moved the house Ooh. and now that it'll never finish getting built, we'll put them behind schedule. And meanwhile, we can continue to look into all these other condos, steal their codes, rob mm-hmm. their safes, done boom easy career right uh no because (laughs) mystery inc though those darn kids they would have gotten away with it if it weren't for (laughs) them so this is the point that the uh teenagers decide to call the police action and in fact it's not even them it's doherty he's like huh yeah call the cops get him in here (laughs) something is clearly wrong was he just like huh, there seemed to be a loud crash. And I saw like, a I don't know, giant like rebar fly from my building into that building. Maybe I should yeah. go up there and check it out. Like, was he just in the office during all of this? You know, they never really say where he is. He, he, it's like he's at the kid's command at this point. Like he, <laughs> he could have been at home and they're like, Dorothy, we got something to show you. You better get down here. Like, and so then he runs down like, all right, I'm mm. on my way. I bet, I I bet Daphne's dad owns the building. Dude. You're probably right. Mm -hmm. That actually, and that's probably why Fred and Shaggy got the job too. Cause I mean, no experience necessary. I get it. But like, you got to have a little, a little, like you have to know how to hold a hammer. Yeah. And then he didn't give Daphne and Velma the job. Cause he was like, if Mr. Blake finds out that I put her, his daughter to work, hell to pay. Oh my God. I'll get fired. Oh my God. Anyways. (laughs) So the cops finally get there and they're like, Hmm, everything checks out so far, I guess like rivets and Parks, they do kind of seem like safe mm. burglars now that you mention it but and, and they are also in costume so we at least know that they're pretending to haunt the area so it's that like a, part of that's not a crime no i mean <laughs> there, there, there may be some weird things in there yeah. but you know it's not illegal to wear a costume that's for sure <laughs> maybe to wear the costume and then chase people around a oh, construction yeah. site maybe but that's just put on a costume yeah no sure mm-hmm. So the cop's like, we're going to need a little something else. And while Scooby's like randomly sniffing around, you know, looking around the apartment, the penthouse, mm-hmm. he somehow knocks over a flower plant and out of the flower plant that is sitting right next to all of them as the police are trying to figure out like the nail mm-hmm. in the coffin for these crimes, a bunch of like a, a bunch of waddles of cash just fall out of this flower pot wow. that Scooby knocks over. And they're like, oh, boom, that's it. That's the money that was stolen from the safe. We found it. No way it could be any other money. We don't have Case to trace closed. serial numbers. We just know. Not at all. We just know. Wow. This is it. It makes total sense that these cat burglars would just put all the money in possessions in that they roll, that they stole right here in the very penthouse <laughs> that they would return to. This is it. They did it, y'all. That's that's the plot. And so wow. just like that. Yeah, you would never guess. These kids, they, they're looking for random jobs just because they aren't getting any mysteries mm. lately. You know, no requests for business. 
and they end up kind of tripping over their whatever body part you want to imagine them tripping over <laughs> and resolve not only a fake haunting of a major construction site, mm. but also like a string of cat burglaries and safe burglaries that are probably happening to like some of the richest people in Coolsville. So I, honestly, give them their stars. <laughs> I have give a quick question. Please. Do they ever actually get hired to solve the crimes? It sounds like they just do yeah. it. That's a good point. I feel like they, yeah, they kind of just like walk into somewhere and like yeah. assume the position. Like, okay, <laughs> like I don't know who you are, but sure, is it just kids. like afterwards, like they go back and like negotiate and be like, cops, we did this for you. Pay up. Like, Doherty, yeah. you owe us. We you saved, like, us. do they just blackmail like the victims? For that money would be, for I it? guess that would be a good way to get paid, kind yeah. of. I mean, again, we're talking about necessary evils. How how bad is blackmail when the thing you're blackmailing someone for <laughs> yeah. is to resolve yet another crime? Right. Is it really a crime in that sense then? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's like the police department pays them up because they don't want to look bad, that like they never solve the crimes, but like these kids yeah. do. So the cops are like, thanks. Yeah, and... I mean, like, kind of future incarnations of Scooby-Doo have gone into that. Like, there's the more recent, um, Mm. what's it called? Uh, I think it's just called Mystery Incorporated. It's like, it's it's one of the newest ones that was on Cartoon Network. Mm. Like, the sheriff in the town, like, hates them because they're always getting in the way. But at the same time, he, like, loves the fact that the town is haunted because it brings, like, tourism there. Mm-hmm. So they're like, no, like, let it be haunted. And also, you're making us look bad by, like, just taking yeah. on these crimes and we're not the ones resolving them. But, yeah, for the old episodes, pretty sure they just, like, walk in a room and they're like, oh, hey, we'll do this. <laughs> and yeah. the, the people that they're solving the mystery for are like, okay, thanks. Who are you again? Yeah, like, are you an undercover cop? You guys are just in street clothes. Also, was Fred walking around the, like, construction site with, like, hard hard hat and his, like, ascot on? He did have his ascot on. I've been thinking about that this whole time. (laughs) Yes, he did. So, yeah, they all had hard hats on. Fred obviously had his ascot on because fashion is the number one part of any construction gig, obviously. (laughs) Yes. Um, I do not believe they had any vests on. So no. good thing the hard hats were very bright yellow. So you could at least see those. Huh. Um, yeah, Scooby wow. was there. He was helping out. He was on the top floor with Shaggy. Huh. Uh, yeah. So they were all, they were all decked out besides Vilma and, uh, and Daphne, who obviously wow. women were not allowed on construction sites yeah. in the year mm. 1978 or 79. No, no, no. So they were, they were actually trailblazers when you look at it from yeah. that perspective. They may have been the first woman allowed on uh, <laughs> construction. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if they were allowed even, but they were there. They were there though. They were there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what a true journey. I feel like that episode too, um, there's further people to look into such as Doherty's like OSHA practices and like child labor and like. Yeah. And also spec, like. I get that he's the owner of that place, but if there are any other, like any other managers of that company, you know, like they might take a loss of that lens being, you know, damaged or something. So it's like, yeah. Did they get that back? Yeah. I'm going to guess they did because they, they were able to get it back from Ebenezer and Nettie, or I should Mm. say sparks and rivets, Mm. um, you know, when they captured them. They never show you know, they never show the return to spec, but I, I think that you know they they like him enough where they weren't going to screw him over yeah. or blank check from Daphne. Here you go, yeah. spec. 
buy yourself a thousand lenses. Yeah, get yourself <laughs> something nice and don't speak of this. Yeah, again. or yeah, her dad going back through and like after every like crime or like mystery solved, he has to go back through one by one and write all the wrongs. Exactly, like trace their steps. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. my god, you guys! What yeah, doing? it's just like blank check city, essentially. Yes. And Blake Incorporated funding all of their <laughs> mistakes, all Truly. of their mistakes. Yeah, yeah so- wow, great work. Thank you. It's a same for you. Thank you. Same for you. But it's it's interesting to see kind of the difference in the way that the writing teams approach, mm. like where are you versus the Scooby Doo show. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that as we continue on this podcast and the video cast, we'll see like different incarnations. Like there's mm. the 13 Ghosts, Scooby Doo, there's Scooby and Scrappy, and each yeah. of them have like kind of their different angle on the way that they want the teams to like resolve the mysteries. Yeah. And so I do think it's really interesting how in this case, they're more focused on the hauntings and the crime. Yep. Whereas in the first episode of Where Are You, they were more invested, it seemed almost in the crime yep. and came across the haunting as a result of that. Yes. Yeah. So, the crime was the impetus versus yours. The haunting was the impetus. I'm yeah. also looking forward to, and maybe the next one I'll, I'll do one of these but when it's uh uh gosh again there's so many names for them but like uh, a pup named scooby-doo yes. where like oh. they're all preteens and like red yeah. herring they always yes. think like we'll get into that one too and like that oh we shall be doing saga. a pup named scooby-doo for, for sure. sure yeah all there's right. so many different incarnations to tackle i love it truly yeah we'll and many it. more to come many more all right well uh thanks for watching slash listening everyone um but yeah tell anyone everyone yeah. likes it anyone tell who likes to be do yeah tell your, no, you maybe don't bus. tell your kids or tell your kids yeah. i don't know if you tell your bus driver don't do it while they're driving the bus yes don't like try and show them or like i don't know maybe put on like the bus like speaker system uh yeah blast the podcast through that so everyone has to listen yeah really force it onto people <sighs> yes That's- yeah that's the best way to I make a connection is by forcing people into liking things that you have no idea if they'll like or not. So really just yeah. like clockwork orange it, peel their eyes, you know, <laughs> sit them down. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like next time you're getting like a haircut or something, like ask to like borrow your hairdresser's phone and just subscribe to <laughs> us on their phone on like whatever yeah. listening service or watching service you're on and just like auto subscribe to people like, yeah. Set it as a ringtone too. So if someone Ooh. calls them, like the, it, they'll just like start hearing us talking. Oh, I love that. Be like, oh wow! It'll either make people really want to get phone calls, or it will make people throw their phones out of the window. So but either way, okay. no press is bad press. None. Get it out yeah. there. Exactly. I'll take it. Sorry if you have to buy a new phone, but I'm hey. Yeah. The um, things we have to do to get this out there. It's, yeah, it's, there's like I, some fine print that like, you can't world. actually see or anything, but like we're not liable for any of your belongings <laughs> or phones or friendships. Sorry. If you actually take our advice on this, that's totally on you. So. Yeah, mm, yeah, we are <laughs> not liable for any of your own mistakes. I mean, great choices. <laughs> great choice you make. Um, all right, well, like, bye. Bye. I'll see you <laughs> next time. Oh yeah, I guess next week for more Saturday morning mysteries. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. 
And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmornMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries. 